Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the daily Bible teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence on my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side-by-side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis, and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Cameron. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. I know some of the freshmen are saying... Some of the freshmen are saying, is that Dr. Cameron, that old man? <laughs> well, let me tell you, dearie, inside I'm just as young as you are. Amen. <laughs> and that's what we like to talk about. Well, Brother Mike called up and says, now, I want one of your four-star sermons. Now, to get this, I've given that as an illustration. When I was pastor at the Nokomis Baptist Church in Minneapolis, uh, whenever I'd really... Uh, ring the bell. Well, I put a one star on it. Boy, I could come back in any place else if they want me for a revival. I could preach it. But you know, if it really went over, I put a two star sermon out there. And if it was a doozy, boy, I put a three star. <laughs> well, now if it was with uh, shooting stars and rockets and like that, usually I was preaching on humility. I, I got four. <laughs> And so uh, I, I was invited to go down to Wisconsin one time, way down there, Toma, way from Minnesota, to, to, I knew we were going to go in the 50-mile radius and to go there with Sunscrew group down there. And so I got my four-star, three-star sermons. Boy, nothing could fail. And so when I got off at the station, I said, where is my suitcase? And the porter said, didn't you get all at Eau Claire? I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> I said, here I am. <laughs> well, he says, I put that suitcase off up there. Christ. He said, well, just a minute. So we went there and called back up. And they said, yes, the suitcase is out here 
on the platform, all my four-star, three-star sermon. <laughs> so you know what I had to do for the next three days? That never caught up with me. I had to just rely upon the Lord. He did pretty good, you know. <laughs> so here this morning we're going to rely upon the Lord too. Shall we turn over here to the third chapter of Philippians? Get your Bible with the tenth verse. Philippians, the third chapter, beginning with the tenth verse. Oh, isn't it wonderful to know the Lord Jesus? Any marvelous to be born again and on your way to glory? Amen. Not ashamed of it. Amen. My, my, I everything is supercharged this morning in the singing, playing. Mm. Well, if man can't talk now, he just can't talk. Amen. That's all right. Now, over here in the 10th verse, <laughs> I've been to some places, you know, where they said the cup just of honey just was poured out, and some of the preachers never got to preach. They said, boy, we had such a great meeting, no one got to preach. Well, that's not much of a uh, service, because the message is the main thing. Amen. But, oh, my goodness, I'd just like to have these two and four young men, two pianists and one... Uh, and uh, instrumentalists and other vocals just be with me all of where I go around. It, it, w it wouldn't be the lock late Dr. Cameron anymore. Boy, I tell you. <laughs> now let's go here to the 10th verse. Wonder just wonderful though. I know the Lord got glory out of it all. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. The Apostle Paul is speaking as a Christian, not one who is a lost man. We do know this, that salvation is wrapped up in a person, the Lord Jesus. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk ye in him. Same thing here. There's a starting point to be saved. We're not saved by a formula. We're saved by a person who com uh, did a formula or fulfilled the formula. And what is this? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, plus nothing, minus nothing. It's the work of the Lord Jesus dying in our stead upon the cross of Calvary that we are saved. And we just accept it by faith, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us, by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now that's better one out here in the seventh verse. Look back there. How do we get saved? But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. What's the amount he's telling us above above there? He's of the stock of Israel. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. What it was what was it uh, to be of the tribe of Benjamin? Benjamin was the location of the temple. And then he said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. What did he mean by that? I could trace all my ancestors back <coughs> to uh, Abraham and not a drop of Gentile blood in me. David couldn't say that. His great-grandmother was Ruth. His great-great-grandmother was uh, the harlot of Jericho. And so we find that David had Gentile blood in his vein, but not Paul. He said... I was a, a Pharisee, the greatest sect of the Jews. I believed in the resurrection of the dead. I believed in heaven. I believed in hell. I believed in angels. I, I really believed that the Bible is the word of God. Then he says, Don't, not on that, I was a zealot. I was with the young men that took something upon ourselves that if we were going to do something for our nation, we were going to do it. And I took upon myself, I was going to persecute this new fang-dangle religion called the way. Jesus said, I am the way. So that's where God is termed. Not Christianity at first, but the way. 
And he said, I wasted the church. Well, if anybody, therefore, could say, I'm on the way to heaven, I could. According to the law, blameless. I kept the feast days. I took my burnt offering, my meal offering, my peace offering, my sin offering, my trash offering, offering. I kept all of the great, great uh, feasts too. Oh my, I kept Passover. I kept the uh, feast of unleavened bread. I kept uh, the first fruits. I kept Pentecost. I kept Shofar. I kept atonement. I kept succors. I kept it all. If anybody was could be therefore declared to be righteous by the works of the law, if anybody could make it, surely he could. But he said it not. All my background, all of my accomplishments, and what I am never got me one step to glory. And then he says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So I've settled that. I've taken Jesus as my Savior, and I'm on my way to glory. I'm justified by faith, justified by his glorious uh, death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, I'm just as though I've never seen. As our brother said, he forgives. And therefore, not one blot against me. I'm just as though I've never seen. Justified, declared to be righteous. There it is. But now, all right, I have salvation. And it's wonderful. But now that I may know him, this is going on with the Lord. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? By faith. Walk in him. How are you going to walk in him? By faith. Here it is. This is a life abundant. We're not talking about victorious living. We're talking about Christ living in me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm just saying this, young folks. Oh, it's wonderful to be saved and important to the fact when you got saved. But oh, how marvelous it is to say, I walk with the King. I talk with the King. I have fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And I can say this. I've known the Lord over 50 some odd years. And there has not been a waking day, but I've been conscious of the presence of the Lord. I haven't been uh, living so close to him all the time. And I can say this in my times of backsliding. I certainly did know him because he chastised whom the Lord loveth. He chastens, scourges every son whom he receiveth. And if you be without chastening, then are you bastards? That's what God says. You've never been born again. Oh, I know I'm a child of God for what I've gotten at the lickings of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Praise his name. Amen. I, I hear sometimes God, therefore, chastised, show us that he loves us. When I do, I say, Lord, you don't have to prove it. I believe your word. <laughs> I, I really do. All oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Some time ago, oh, we have to have a starting point. Two of our girls, the very first uh, fall of our Florida Bible College 13 years ago, came up to me and said, may we ask you a question? I said, certainly what? Uh says, kind of person? I said, fine. says, were you a down, big deep down center when you got saved? I said, you're right. We knew it. We knew it. How far down did you get? (laughs) 
Did you ever smoke grass? I said, the only grass I ever smoked up there in Tennessee was rabbit tobacco. <laughs> Did you ever take uh, uh, acid? I said, what's that? <laughs> I know what it is now. Yeah. And uh, I said, no, you didn't. Well, what? Uh, how far down, really down the sin did you get? I said, as far as an eight-year-old child could get. <laughs> what? Yeah, how did you get saved? I said, I went to hear the late Billy Sunday. Oh, one of America's greatest evangelists. And he said this, first time I could understand what the gospel was. I was just eight and a half years old. My, he got up there, and I loved him when he got on the platform. And the first thing he said, boy, I got it. You are a sinner. I knew it. You're on your, <laughs> you're on your way to hell. I believed it. <laughs> and he said, but you know, God loved you so much that he sent his son to die in your place and he paid for your sin and he shed his blood for you and he rose again the third day and he'll save you for trusting him. And I said, I just trusted him. Why, when he got down there and began to shake hands with them to come forward, you know, and then go into the inquiry room, I went there to shake hands with Billy Sunday. I was so small, I couldn't even touch his hand. Standing in the sawdust of that great old tabernacle, I said, Lord, I can't touch that man's hand, but I'm trusting you. And that's what, oh, and it, praise the Lord. Oh, my, have a good place to begin. That's where we get began to Calvary, you know. Now, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord walk you in him. That I may know him. Ah, this is after I'm saved. Oh, I know I'm a savior, but I want to know him as one that indeed provides all things. Young man came to me out there at Temple when I was dean Bible school and said, Brother Cameron, been saved four weeks. And it was just two years in the first semester. I said, Yes, sir, what can I do for you? He said, I'm on what you've got. I said, Good. I said, Listen. I said, How long have you been saved? Four weeks. And you've been here two weeks, yes. I says, uh, do you know that you were a sinner? Yes, sir. Did you know that if you have not gotten saved, you're going to hell? Oh, yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Oh, yes. And that he died for you, shed his blood for you? Yes, sir. And rose again from the dead, and you're trusting him and him only to save you? Yeah. I said, you've got what i got. <laughs> he wasn't satisfied and left. Then you know what? The next fall, he went a whole year, didn't come in the summer school. He said, Dr. Cameron, may I say, ask you something? I said, yes, sir. He said, I won't tell you. When school was out last June, says, I went ahead and rented a tent and a motorboat. I got me a lot of cans of beans and bread and my Bible. That's all I took and went down the Tennessee River here upon an island in the Tennessee River. And I stayed 10 days eating beans, bread, reading the Bible. And I said, God, I'm not going to, to leave this place until I get what Doc Cameron's got. <laughs> then I knew what he would. He wanted maturity. He was just a babe. He wanted to be a grown man the Lord. Oh, I said, there's a price to pay, young man. Oh, he said, whatever the price is, I'll pay it. Oh, yes. I said, let's get down here. We got on our knees. And I said, oh, Heavenly Father, this young man's engaged to this wonderful girl. May she give him a Dear John letter. Oh, may she break his heart, and then may his family turn against him. Lord, we pray you'll get him so sick he's nine to death. Take him to the hospital. <laughs> oh, Lord, make him suffer. God, break his heart. Lord, let him fail a subject or two. For Jesus' sake, amen. 
He said, isn't that kind of severe? I said, that's what I got. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, glory, I want that kind of experience. I want the resurrection power. You, listen, we've said this time and time again. Shout the victory, shout the victory. Wait a minute, you can't have a victory without a battle. Get that. A lot of people want the victory, but no battle. Oh, I want the resurrection power of God in my life. You can't have a resurrection unless you're dead. Oh. And you can't have a resurrection unless you suffer. Amen? Oh, oh I didn't know that was in there. Jewish man we led to the Lord Jesus came to me after nearly a year, and he said, Brother Cameron, it's tough being a Christian. He said, it didn't cost me anything. I know that. But he said, listen, you didn't tell me that there was going to be a cross and that I was going to suffer. He said, my people have been suffering 2,000 years of being Jews. Now I'm suffering for being a Christian. <laughs> Is there any way out of it? There's no way. No way for you to out of it. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering, his suffering. Did you know, as you go on with the Lord, you're going to be the most lonely person in the whole wide world. The cross is a lonely place, you know that. And if you're going to, therefore, know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, you're going to just enjoy, may I say that, his suffering. You don't have to pay for your sin, but you're going to know what it means to have that fellow, the fellowship of his suffering. At one time, I was assistant pastor of First Baptist Church in Minneapolis, and it was my joy to call on about 3,000 people a year. That was my uh, goal. In this, I had to go to nearly all the hospitals there every week. And you know what? I'd go there. And I see these folks moaning, groaning. I say, come on, man, get up, get up. You're not in pain. Come on, you just think you are. You know, trying to give them a false uh, bolstering until I got up with them. That <laughs> do make a difference. You know what? And, and so when they got there and said, yes, you're going to have an operation, put me over there at Northwest Hospital. Early the next morning, came, woke me up, gave me a shot of stuff. I said, what's that, Paul? That's that. That's to have you sleeping before you get up there. I was wide awake. Oh, they put me on that little cart, took me up there in the elevator and went up. And they said, which uh, operating room are we going to have? They said, it's Dr. Norland. He said, well, that's number three. I said, how many operating rooms you have? He said, 15. I says, uh, well, why Dr. Norland's so, uh, so different? They said, he, old man says, he's going to have moving picture cameras on you. He's going to have stills. He's going to have everything in, in the world. Later on, he said, somebody said, do you know Mark? He said, I know him inside and out. <laughs> 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 and did you know what? Oh, my, when I went up there and they put me on that table, and then I began to put my arm in the sling of that operating table, and then <coughs> there went one strap. <coughs> Another one, you know. I said, hey. <laughs> I felt like I was being put in the electric chair, you know that? And I said, how come, how come? They said, you're a big man, and said, boy, we don't know what you do when you get on the influence of that ether. Oh, I said, do I have to take ether? There's your doctor there. I said, Doc, can I take a local? He said, Now, Mark, sure you can. Give me anything you want to. But says, I like everything to be relaxed. I don't know how long I'm going to be there. And he was there about four hours. 
And so I said, you want me to take either? He said, yes. Oh, good. When they did, I said, oh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I want to leave a single member of the Trinity out. I said, into thy hands I commit my body, soul, and spirit. I didn't leave a part of me out either. Hours later, I woke up sick. Oh, my. Then I got a stitch abscess as for the time of penicillin and sulfur drugs. They just let you suck. 103 degree fever, two weeks. Discouraged. Oh, my. How I got discouraged. Miss Mary, my wife was there, you know. She just went out that night, about 9 o'clock. She told the girl on the desk, says, you know, my husband's a little discouraged here. Oh, after my wife left, she came in there. Boy, did she bawl me out. She said, your doctor's not discouraged or he'd be right here. But you know, my doctor didn't have the 103 degree fever. <laughs> and so, you know what? I just went through all that. Finally, it went all over that hospital. Now, here I was, a Baptist preacher. And here came a man in there on the, on the, um, chair, in a chair there, one, a foot propped up, all in bandages. He said, hey, preacher, I'm a Roman Catholic on the floor above. I heard you were discouraged. He said, I've taken 18 months to get this one leg fixed, and I'm going to take another 18 months to get this, but I'm going to lick it. Come on, you're going to lick it. Then all of a sudden, here came a man in a contraption. His back was broken. He's on one of these big stilts, you know, with rollers on it. And it had his head up in there. He just come. It was a Jewish man. <laughs> He said, Preacher, we heard up from the fifth floor that you were discouraged. Come on. <laughs> you know what I found out? Okay, here it is. You know what I found out? There in that hospital, I never had it before. There is a fellowship between fellow sufferers. It's just there. Now, when I go to the hospital, I have a rapport with those who are suffering. Why? Because I've been there. There is, there is that fellowship. Did you know what? That I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering, I am going to have the same thing he had. Let me say this. Oh, we say the cross, the nails. Let me say this more in the cross than just the nails. There's the betrayal, the denial, the being forsaken. That's all in you're going to experience the Lord, his death, his betrayal, his denial, his being forsaken. You're going to, if you're going to know the power of his resurrection. It's worth it, though, to have those that you put so much confidence come in and deny you. Oh, to see things that you have counted on so long just crumble as dust at your feet. Oh, my, why? You're having the fellowship of his suffering. One night I came from a deacon meeting at Nokomis Baptist Church in Minneapolis. I came in, I was just shocked. Miss Mary said, what in the world's happened? I said, you don't believe it. I said, did you know they had a secret meeting last night? Oh, no. I said, that's against the Constitution. I said, they can be thrown out for that. But here they are. And they, you know what they read out? I've been there pastor for six months. And oh, when I first came there, oh, my. Butter wouldn't melt in my mouth, you know. I was so this and that. They One thing they knew, God's man was for the place. But they read out when I was with them that night. We do not know whether we have the man that God wants us to have. I've been there six months. 
And I had, at the time, taken that call over an appointment of being a chaplain in the Army. Now, in six months, I had another call, and this time they offered me to be a captain and maybe to be a major in the chaplain corps. Nothing makes a preacher more bold than to have another call. You know that? Boy, if they didn't like it, they could just go too. I just go and take this thing. Hey, I just had a good time. Go ahead, let's hear what you got to say. We don't know whether we got the man God wants us to have. And it went on. I said, okay, now, brother. Now the Holy Spirit led this. I said, you're unanimous of opinion? He said, yeah. I said, how did you, brother, get, come to this conclusion? I'm not the man for this place. Brother Cameron, it wasn't my fault. I didn't have a thing to do with it. Went on, 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 till it came to the dearest friend I had. I said, what in this world, man? Boy, he said, you asked why I said did. And when did it? Oh, nothing. But I said, now, brethren, I don't know about you. I know they could have asked my resignation. God did. But I said, I'm staying. One man said, hallelujah, says we put out the police last night and said, if you said that you believe that God had you for there and that you were going to say, we all agreed that this would be of the Lord and we'd all give our whole support and tear up the minutes and everything. I said, okay. But nevertheless, I came home crucified. That kept on, of course. And on and on and on. <clears throat> but then when I got home, I said, I've got to have something. Lord, what is it? Of course, my mind went to Job, and I found out the message in there where it says that the sons of God came to present themselves for the Lord, and Satan was among them. The Lord said unto Satan, What do you think of my servant Job? He said, You built a hedge around him. God said, Take away the hedge. And so we found out that Satan was given the power to kill his sons and his daughters, to destroy everything he had, to take away all of his cattle, camels, and sheep, left destitute. And the time came that when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, that the Lord said unto Satan, What do you think now, my servant Job? He said, Life for life, what a man has, he'll give for his life. Says, You touch his body and said, He'll rise up and curse you to your face. He said, Go ahead, spare his life now. But you can do anything you want to. And then we do know that Satan touched him and from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet filled with all kinds of boils. I have been told this, that when his wife says, Job, curse God and die. No, he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I was taught this by a dear... Bible teacher, he said, Job was half right. The Lord did give, but it was the devil that took it away. And yet that night, the Holy Spirit says, Job was right. The Lord gave and the Lord took it away. Well, you said the devil did. No, who put it in the mind of Satan to take it away? The Lord. Doesn't the Lord know all things? Sure. Didn't the Lord know that Job would come through? Yes. Didn't he know that he would take all of his adversities? Right? Yes. Didn't he know that he would answer all of his tormentors, his so-called friends? Yes. God knew it. And at the very last, you know, Job kind of got kind of boastful. And the Lord said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world, Job? Job, can you loose Orion? That's it, winter. And bring in the pleasant Pleiades. That's the constellation of spring. Can you change the season? Then finally, Job said, I abhor myself. What? 
God knew he was going to come out victorious, but this is it. God knew what his servants needed. This was for Job. The end of the Lord in Job was the end of Job. What are you getting at? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable unto his death, that which is ahead, you're going to experience the death, bearing resurrection of Christ over and over again, that you may know the fellowship of his suffering. And if any adversity comes in, death, illness, loss of property, one thing or another, praise God. God says this, he knows what you need. There's going to come the resurrection power in your life. And when you come out, you'll come out victorious, and you'll say, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let, therefore, the crucifixion come. Let death to self come. But praise God, we'll be living the resurrected life with the Lord Jesus, walking with him, having fellowship with him, knowing this, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his will. Even so, let it be. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for Make It Clear. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.